This podcast is presented by 323 Entertainment. You can find this show and more wherever you stream podcasts and music. And while you're there, please follow, rate, and review. And if you want to help us continue to grow and get better while also getting exclusive releases and free merch, please support the 323 on Patreon at patreon.com slash 323read. You can subscribe for as little as $2. $2! That's patreon.com slash 323read, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash 323-R-E-I-D. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 323. I'm your host, Reed Murphy. Today, we have, I promise, despite how serious the first, you know, 15 or so minutes might be, we have a fun show for you today. There's a lot, a little bit of everything for everybody. We have our good buddy Zahir Ali from the Animation Deliberation Podcast and a noted Super Washington Commanders fan on to talk about the new name, our new uniforms, and we're going to get into some fun animation talk. We also have the 323's very own baseball correspondent Derek Wolfgang on to talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame and all that madness that ensued last week that got kind of swallowed up by football. But first, like I said, it's got to start a little bit serious because we're going to start with some, you know, a nice juicy race story in our news to know. Happy Black History Month. If you weren't in the spirit already from seeing the same annual two lines of a Martin Luther King speech spread all over your newsfeed by your white friends, or a parade of Kevin Hart movies on basic cable, or Terry Crews tap dance, I mean, uh, chest flexing as the apparent face of NBC's Olympics coverage, or even Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin's heartfelt Black History Month tweet days after defending his ban on the teaching of critical race theory and divisive concepts in schools, then boy, did former Miami Dolphins coach Brian Flores get the party started. On the first day of this year's Black History Month, Flores filed a ground-shaking class-action lawsuit against the NFL and all 32 teams alleging racism in their hiring practices. The suit claims that Flores is doing this on behalf of all black head coaches and candidates, GMs and candidates, and coordinators and candidates in the NFL. The case stems from Flores's firing by the Dolphins after three seasons with the team and leading the franchise in 2021 to its first back-to-back winning record since 2003. The team claims Flores was fired due to failure of collaboration and communication with the front office, but Flores believes he was doomed from the start, and this suit helps build that case. It really does range in examples from before and after the firing, with the biggest 
being from the last couple of weeks after the New York Giants hired Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator Brian Dable as their head coach. Flores also was up for the Giants' job and provided texts incredibly from Patriots head coach Bill Belichick, congratulating Flores on getting the Giants' job. Days before Flores was set to even interview with the Giants. That's when both Belichick and Flores realized Belichick had meant to text Brian Dable instead of Brian Flores, and unintentionally, yet potentially, exposed the deep, dark loophole in the NFL's notorious Rooney Rule, where teams are required to interview minority candidates for their coaching and front office positions, that these predominantly white-run teams will often make up their minds on a hire, typically another white colleague from organizational trees or the good old boy club, as it's come to be known, and then simply interview a black candidate such as Flores for pure show without any serious consideration for the candidate. I know there are people, sports fans in particular, already complaining, listening to this and other outlets reporting about why does race have to be a factor in everything? And why does everything have to be about racism? Just talk sports. And trust me, I would love to explore more of this case that isn't revolving around the race factor. And we definitely will be in time because holy crap, there's some really incredible stuff in here. From just laughing about the imagining of Belichick's text history to relating to that very easy text mistake he made. I mean, hell, I almost did one the other day before catching myself where I would have sent a very sappy, lovey-dovey text to a state senator when it was meant for my girlfriend. There's even the biggest and most shocking part in here, because let's be honest, alleging institutional racism in the NFL isn't new. In fact, we all know it's true. Just like this country, it's racist. The racism is built in and the systems work that way because they were designed that way. No, the biggest news out of this story was the allegation from Flores that Dolphins owner Stephen Ross offered him $100,000 for every loss in the 2019 season in order to get a better draft pick in the draft that ended up producing Joe Burrow. This major allegation helps to show more of the dirty secret in the NFL about these owners. And sorry to all you fans that defend these billionaires during their labor disputes with the players, but this helps show you that they couldn't give a shit about you, let alone winning. It all comes down to the money and marketability of their franchise in getting a franchise face like Joe Burrow. But as fascinating as that all is, I have to stick with the reason Flores is truly filing this suit. The NFL is racist. And black coaches often have the worst situations you can get. And as much as the Rooney Rule is supposed to help, it does nothing more now than help embarrass and waste the time of well-qualified black coaches. It's well known that we as black people, in all facets of life, not just football, have to work twice as hard to get half of the success of our white counterparts. And when it comes to coaching in the NFL... In sports in general, this shows up tremendously. You can't tell me that in a league where 70% of the labor is black, 
that there's only one black guy in Mike Tomlin qualified to be a head coach and keep the job for years at a time. When you have Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles, coordinators for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Vance Joseph, defensive coordinator for the Cardinals, Jim Caldwell, Marvin Lewis, Brian Flores, all former head coaches who can't get another shot but have contending records that at least match up or exceed head coaches who keep getting cycled through. Like Adam Gase, Mike McCarthy, Cliff Kingsbury, who failed his way through the college ranks somehow into a head NFL head position. Or potentially Josh McCown, who is a head coaching finalist in Houston, despite his only coaching experience being a high school football volunteer. It's incredibly hard to get a head coaching position as a black person in not only football, but in sports entirely. Hell, the MLB, Major League Baseball, has only had 15 black managers in its entire 100-plus year history. And it comes fueled by how established white leadership in these leagues view us as leadership candidates, which is that they don't view us that way at all and never have. This was explained unintentionally and disgustingly well by former Los Angeles Dodgers general manager Al Campanis in an interview on Nightline in 1987 when asked about the roles of black people in baseball. I mean, there, there are a lot of black <laughs> players, there are a lot of great black baseball men who would dearly love to be in managerial positions. And I guess what I'm really asking you is to, you know, peel it away a little bit. Just tell me, why do you think it is? Is there still that much prejudice in baseball today? No, I don't believe it's prejudice. I, I, I truly believe that they may not have some of the uh, necessities to uh, be, a, let's say, a field manager or perhaps a, a general manager. You really believe that? Well, I don't say that they're all of them, but they certainly are short. How many quarterbacks do you have? How many pitchers do you have that are black? It, it's same yeah, but thing I mean, you know, I got to tell you, that sounds like the same kind of garbage we were hearing 40 years ago about players when they when they were saying, ah, not 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 really, not well, really um, cut out. Hey, you remember the days, you know, they hit a black football player in the knees, and you know, no, that really sounds like garbage. If you if you forget no, those things, so it's not it's not garbage, Mr. Koppel, because uh, I played on a on a college team, and the center fielder was black, and then the backfield at NYU with a fullback who was black never knew the difference of whether he was black or white we were teammates so it just might be that they they why are, are black uh, men or, or black people not good swimmers because they don't have the buoyancy oh i don't, I don't I, it, it may just be that they don't have access to all the country clubs and the pools black people in sports are not and have never been viewed as candidates for leadership simply as labor their importance in football is not to be big leader guy, to be big head coach. It's as, it's if they're faster than the next guy. You heard that well. You heard that in the Campanus interview. And that fact continues to display itself loud and proud quite a few times every year. I'd like to hope that Flores' lawsuit will bring about some type of revolutionary change in the NFL and the sports industry as a whole. But I also feel like I can spoil how this is gonna go for you. Nowhere. 
just like with Colin Kaepernick's kneeling and subsequent lawsuit, just like with the investigation of the Washington commander's sexual harassment culture, nothing will come out of it except for very shiny, expensive band-aids. As I speak, Commissioner Roger Goodell is probably making calls to figure out just how much they'll need to spend to make this go away and how long it'll take. They did the same with Kaepernick, turning his protest and pleas into investments into the Players Coalition with haunting, powerful commercials that ultimately just make the players feel like something was done for their cause without actually enacting change, and big old end zone paintings and helmet decals shouting, end racism, as they still refuse to let Kaepernick back into the game. More than likely, something that looks very shiny and big, but ultimately is hollow, will be all that comes out of this case. And the NFL will continue to shoot itself in the foot over and over and over without consequence. Because their darkest scars reflecting painful histories always show back up clear as day in their brightest moments. Like a spotlight hitting ruined jewels during a musical cue on Euphoria. The focus on the NFL today should be about the name change and rebranding of one of their oldest franchises, the now Washington Commanders or about an icon of their league, one of the greatest champions in the history of sports, Tom Brady, officially retiring after 22 years. Or even the little fact that the league has kind of a big game coming up on the 13th of February. But it's things like that game, the Super Bowl, and its undoubted 75 million viewers, us included, that are me speaking and you listening, we keep them going. The only thing that brings change is when the money gets involved. Like how the Washington Commanders had to become this new team after championing the racist moniker of Redskins only until their sponsors took heat and threatened to pull away. And it'd be awesome to see NBC or Fox or CBS or ESPN threaten to pull the plug on their relationship with the NFL for change but there isn't a chance in hell that that'll ever happen. It's disheartening. It hurts to see this in the NFL. Not just because I'm a fan and it feels like a slap to the face. I understand it's just a game in a business where Washington's wins and losses don't affect my personal life or bank account. It hurts and raises importance, raises the need to be hyper-focused on because it also reflects what this country is. Constantly making symbolic gestures, like putting end racism in the end zone or taking Aunt Jemima off the syrup bottle instead of actually trying to have the hard conversations and enact sufficient legal measures that can bring about change. It reflects how our country may only be 12% black, but our influence in the culture far surpasses that number. And I mean the real number after taking into account just how many cultural contributions we've had that have been stolen and repurposed by white people. It hurts because then you have the league throwing in lift every voice and sing as you know the black national anthem to play before the actual national anthem, the actual national anthem, that just reminds you, while you're supposed to be proud of this country and I want to be, we all want to be proud of this country. It hurts to know 
that as much as we love it, proves time and time again that it does not love us back. This lawsuit, the wording of it all, this isn't the act of a scorned ex-coach going scorched earth on his former place of employment. This is the act of a black man who is tired. Tired of being used as a check mark. Tired of putting on his best suit, getting extra prepped, making a big flight for absolutely nothing. Tired of being passed over for jobs in favor of someone who is less qualified and proves it. Tired of proving he's good at the job once he has it, with stats to back it up and still getting fired. Tired of seeing it happen to his peers. Tired of seeing it happen to his assistants, the coaches he's supposed to be bringing up. Tired of seeing it happen to his mentors and the men who paved the way for him, only to see that road paved over again by the good old boy club. This is the act of a man who wants to bring about change or at least force the public to look at the injustice and stains of this league, even if it costs him his career. Flores said in an interview on ESPN's Get Up that he understands the consequences and risk, but quote, if change comes and I never coach again, it'll be worth it. I commend and stand with Brian Flores and ask that you do too. Flores' suit is seeking massive relief measures, such as ensuring diversity of ownership by creating and funding a committee dedicated to sourcing black investors to take majority ownership stakes in NFL teams, and ensuring diversity of decision-making by permitting select black players and coaches to participate in the interviewing process. These changes would be incredible. And maybe we can start to see some of them even without the lawsuit, with owners that do actually seem interested in progression like the Steelers' Rooney family, or Falcons' owner Arthur Blank, with more minority owners like the Jaguars' Shad Khan and Bill's owner Kim Pegula, hopefully someone like black billionaire Robert F. Smith being able to buy the recently up-for-sale Denver Broncos. That would be a major plus. Maybe there's even still a shot for a couple more black coaches in this coaching cycle, like Byron Leftwich for the Jaguars job, or Mike McDaniel for the Dolphins. We can hope, and we can continue to fight. We have to, despite his faults and whatever could be true from the Dolphins' smear campaign. Flores gets nothing but credit here for doing everything he can now to bring about change later. We can all aspire to fight like this. Coming up, we dive into the lighter, but still pretty big other news in football with our buddy, Zahir Ali. All right, ladies and gentlemen, joining the show now, he is one of the hosts of the Stranded Panda Network's very own animation deliberation. My fellow Washington comrade, commandeer, commander, Zahir Ali is here. How you doing, Zoo? Kami Zoo reporting for duty. Kami Zoo. I'm good. It's exciting to not have to talk. I mean, it's it's exciting to get to talk about sports stuff for once. I don't really do that in podcast fashion. It's different, right? Very different. Yeah. 
little change of uh, pace for you here. Um, oh, yeah. Happy, happy name delivery day. It's happy a, name delivery day. The birth <laughs> of our new roaming. Yeah. <laughs> it's been weird, uh, you know, for a couple of years having a favorite football team with no name. I don't, yeah, I haven't right. liked being bullied by other teams about that. <laughs> it's uh, also like they expect you to know the answers. Like, yeah. Why, when are you guys getting a new name? Like, oh, let me just call Snyder right now. I have him on speed dial. Like, right. I've been working. I mean, I'm just, I'm ready for it to be done. And today is the beginning of done. Finally, yes. <laughs> we're finally just done about with this. Football now. <laughs> yes, we can move on to football and you know whatever new sexual harassment cases and everything else that comes up with our precious owner Dan Snyder. It's not a Congress hearing like tomorrow. I think so. It's sometime this week. This like, was oh, excellent timing. It was very well timed by him. And whenever something like this happens, you know it's covering up something major that's going to, about to drop or just did. Hundred percent. The entire presentation today was about staying true to the team's history and tradition, and in true Washington tradition, the name was leaked a month ago by the team itself in a promo video they forgot to blur. To set it even further, they put their new team banner up a little too high in the team store last night where NBC4's petty, undefeated News Chopper 4 helicopter managed to fly over, zoom in, and reveal everything. So they went through with the whole presentation this morning. All of us here in the DMV we're trying, at least trying to watch it. I, we, a whole bunch of us at work were in a back room hiding behind a pallet watching the presentation, waiting to be disappointed or surprised. Um, did you, were you really expecting it to be Commanders? Or did you have hopes that it might just be a smokescreen? After the last Making the Brand video that Jason put up, when he was blunt about the Red Wolves, I was like... I don't think that's a misdirection. So after that, I just didn't care anymore to the point where I was talking to my friend last night because I was really deep into Pokemon Legends of Arceus. It was the first day I turned it on. So I was like, I didn't go to bed till like two. So then I was, I was banging the question. I was like, do I care enough to actually wake up before seven to catch this live? And I'm glad that I didn't because since I just kind of like, set myself up for disappointment like i was i was whelmed when i saw it and i feel like they knew that that stuff came up in the reflection and they were just trying to like soften the blow knowing that there was such a huge red wolves crowd that there was nothing that's going to top that and there was a level of like let's just slowly leak stuff as much as we can just so that they're not too blown away and that their hopes aren't too high like if we know that we're going to be disappointing our fans, let's just plan that out. I completely agree. And I think it worked perfectly, at least on me, <laughs> because I was, I had high hopes for, I had high hopes for Red Wolves. Um, Emily, Emily Sissel and I kind of got our hopes up for about like a day over Demon Cats. When that, that was some, <laughs> that was an idea thrown out there. Washington, D.C., Demon Cats, it'd be perfect. But with that leak a month ago, you're right. It helped set everything up, and I didn't get my hopes up for Red Wolves. I kind of made peace with Commanders over like the last week. As long as the uniforms would look nice, 
I'd be good with it. And like you said, today, that was the perfect reaction. Whelmed was pretty much how it was. Um, you know, we've gotten... We decided how could the name possibly be made fun of. You didn't want something, as much as I love the idea of Red Tails, having something involving race probably was not a good idea after the last name in any form. But uh, it wasn't even like it wasn't even about the Tuskegee Airmen. It, no. They were talking about a bird, which we have <laughs> enough of. Like you could have even gotten away with having red tails, but going with a fox theme like that works. Yeah. The color works. It's mm-hmm. still somewhat canine related, which the NFL doesn't have anything canine at all. Right. So, so that option was there, and then it wasn't even put out there. Like they're going with a bird or Tuskegee Airmen, which they just straight up said, "Yeah, it wasn't talking about that." So I was like. Even Red Tails, like the, the fine option that was right in front of you, like wasn't even a consideration. Did you have anything in particular that you would have wanted? The Red Wolves, I was, I was set on that, especially like when they made the announcement that it wasn't going to be that and they showed that final mock up. I was like, that's what could have been. That looks sick. Didn't it look I nice? would have been all over. I would have been howling every yes. day until the first game disappointed me. Like, right. Until <laughs> that blowout that so to Dallas hard. and everything in the opening game at home, yeah, we yeah. would have been all about it. They could have named the new stadium the you know the Wolf Den. The fans would be the pack. It would have been excellent marketing. But yeah, now we have Commanders. Uh, now we're gonna salute at all the touchdowns. We're saluting. We're saluting every time. Thankfully, we made the fan base already made the joke a month ago when it got leaked out of how could you make fun of commanders oh you shorten it to commies where they yeah. are the commies everything hail I to think, the commies hail to the commies we salute the commies the and the 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 is the important word there we don't support commies we support the commies these are yeah. our commies <laughs> pat mcafee tried to make that joke today and everybody's like yeah oh, fuck you man we already got it we did that. It's like, wow, I haven't heard that one before. Yeah, no, I've already, I've, I've got my red, I've got my vodka here, everything. <laughs> We're here. Salute. Yeah, dude. Like, I've had so many people text me today. It's like, dude, the name is awful. It's like, well, I didn't have a say in the matter. Right. I, like, yeah, I don't know. Like... <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do. Like, I'm, mo- I've mourned with my fellow Washington fans for months now. Like, we knew that this was coming. We were separate as a deployment. Like, I, I don't owe you a response to anything. <laughs> There was a and there was some weird like little sector cell of fans last night too over the last two days that convinced themselves the name was going to go back to the old name that <laughs> they were going to just go full heel turn full corporate rock and go back to the old name and when they started to show the little presentation video and showing the history of the team and doing the song and everything I thought about it I was like oh my god they're gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> And that's, that's the interesting thing about the history aspect of it. Like, they changed it because of X, Y, and Z reasons. Mm-hmm. But, like, that doesn't automatically, like, diminish everything that happened, right? Like, there's no. so many names. There's so much history. There's so much story, like, affiliated with that. And, like, you listen to how Joe Theismann and Brian Mitchell and, like, all these people, like, talk about their past. Like, I, I can't remember who was on the radio today that they were interviewing. Uh, it was it was one of the players from one of the Pro Bowls. Oh, excuse me, one of the Super Bowls. I'm not used to us going to uh, Super Bowls. <laughs> and like he was, he was saying, "It's like, how do you feel about that? Like, are you a Redskin? Or are you a Commander?" He's like, "I'm 
both because yes that was what i played for but like i'm still tied to this organization and this is the future of the organization this is what it goes for and one of the important things that i think about is that like i became a fan of this team during the grossman era yes yes so like i wasn't actively watching football i didn't care about sports when when sean taylor was big i like there was there was none of the highlights that i grasped onto when i was a fan but my friend who took me in when I moved back down to Virginia Beach for college, like she was a generational diehard Redskins fan. Mm-hmm. And that essence to the organization, that essence for the love of football and just like wanting to see a winning team, like that's what matters. Right. So for for me to start off the Grossman era, see the rise and fall of Griffin and then have like nothing high except for like Alex Smith and then just the fun that 2020 was because like, we came in as a shit show and then Heidi turned it around and we had four quarterbacks and somehow happened. Like all that stuff was fun. And that's what football is about. So like even how the, the Washington wizards, like that's their name, but their whole identity is DC. Like their, their branding looks cool for that, except for the stupid hand that's doing a layup, but like the logo and everything is fire on top of that. So that's all I want that as this organization is a winning team and sick merch. That's what, that's it. And sick merch i think we did i think they're on the right track they're on the right track you're right we got three sets of uniforms um we're sticking with the burgundy and gold which i knew some people were concerned with i was before they announced that they would stick with it um one set is red jersey red pants and we have white on white and then we have what a lot of people have been asking for for years all Mm -hmm. blacks with a special black helmet yeah, because uh, we this benefit. This is the first year that the whole NFL can do alternate helmets. Exactly, and we benefit perfectly from that. And I guess it's probably why they wanted to do the relaunch two years mm-hmm. after losing the name. But overall, I'm happy with them. The black uniform, somebody pointed out, does look like it's a good thing we didn't put the yellow stripe on there because it would have been like a little Steelers lawsuit, maybe. Yeah, but overall, I'm happy with it. Not a fan of the rounded numbers. Never really have been, mm-hmm. but it's still better than Baltimore's, I think. Um, your thoughts on these? This hopefully the beginning of a great era of uniforms. All right, so going one by one, which one do you want me to start with? Let's start red on red. Okay, red on red. I love the vibrant colors. I think it's modern. I think it's slick. I love like the holes in the numbers because it's got like that cool like ventilation vibe to it it's like you know this is so hot like we need to actually breathe out of it Mm -hmm. uh so i like that look the numbers the folding over thing like how the logo does like it's fine um i don't think it's crazy good looking i don't think it's bad either i think the commanders on the front is too big i do too it's a little much stood out to me yeah i wasn't a fan of that like shrink it down um i man i wish i had one of my football team jerseys like on me right now but washington is so subtle like over the numbers and i think that's what commander should have been mm-hmm. i love the stripes on the uh on the sleeves those are beautiful yeah and the lines around the name is going to take a little bit of getting used to but i get they're going for like how the military uh name tags are like mm-hmm. um helmets are cool i'm always a big fan of uh the matte helmets that was super uh, important to me yeah the logo's all right. Like it's very origami-ish. Like it's folded in on itself. Yeah. Um, once again, like I'm, I'm not. I don't hate it, but I wasn't blown away by it either. 
but in regards to the colors and the way they did the numbers, I think they nailed it on that for the burgundies. I have to agree with just about everything you said. And that that's the biggest thing. That commander's right there on the chest. It's just a lot. I could have I think it could have done well either sticking with Washington or just just that W logo that they're already rocking. Um do you miss And then there's seal. I guess I guess we're calling it a seal, that other alternate logo that has the stars and 19 in one corner and 32 right. in the other. Yeah, kind of like looks that's, like that's that's on the collar. It's like, okay, that's fine. I mm-hmm. like that they put the stars on the inside. Um the it... stars on the back of the collar would have been nice too. It's finally making us a little more uniform with the other teams, the other major teams in DC too. Yeah. By throwing that in there. I I honestly miss the numbers on the side of the helmet a little bit. I did like that approach when we became Washington football team and got rid of our logo and had to go with just the player's number on the side. Um, I believe the Chargers adopted that after us. But these I, these matte helmets are gorgeous. Gorgeous. I wasn't the biggest fan of it because they didn't coordinate them. That's, like, it didn't it didn't match the jersey. Yeah, so yeah. it's like when they had their burgundy ones with white numbers, it was a burgundy helmet with gold numbers. Yeah, yeah. like I get that they couldn't have alternates, but like I wish that coordinated a little better. That was the biggest turnoff for me. Which I guess to transition to the black one, mm-hmm. like the alternate one is the numbers. And yes. that actually matches. So the the burgundy with is the burgundy with the gold outline? Yeah. So the burgundy with the gold outline actually matches like what they have on the jersey. No, it's gold it's the, with the burgundy outline. Yeah, on Excuse the blacks. Me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that actually matches. So I think the number looks sick on that because it's it's cohesive. Like that makes sense. Yes. Yes, the blacks. That's exciting. The W on the front of the helmet. It's a little little off putting. And did I actually you read the the article on the website of like why they did that one the way they did no i haven't seen that so if you look at a military uniform it typically has the rank mm-hmm. on the front so they were trying to embody that a little bit and the way that jason wright spoke on the on the radio today he was like they want the name to come at you so when the quarterback is about to get sacked like they want to see that w coming out of his face it's like i like that description that's fun that made me like it a little bit that makes it much better <laughs> Just hearing that, yeah. that, that's the intention of it, that makes it 100% better. I'm down with it now. Yeah, the level of determination that he said it was like, we want that name to come out of quarterback's face in full force. I was like, ooh. I, I, oh, re- I really feel. I love Jason Wright. I've loved the energy he's brought as the team president here. Yeah, he's so much fun. Like, I actually got to talk to him on Twitter for a little bit just about the Mandalorian when that was airing for the first time. And I was like, am I really talking to an NFL team's president about star wars right now like this is one of the best days of my life Ooh, you gotta capitalize that get him on some podcast yeah, right? just tell him just promise him hey, say, hey all we're gonna talk about is a mandalorian <laughs> <laughs> oh man i could bait so many fans with that it's like we got jason red joining us on mm-hmm. the animation deliberations like wait what listen now and that's Batman. all you say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't mention the team once not at all just bring it like right at the end. It's like, oh yeah, you run a team, right? He's like, yeah, all right. Well, good talking to you. I'm a fan of it. It's cool. <laughs> uh, I mean, I love that they threw the DC flag on the shoulder for that one. I was just about to say one. that. Yeah, that's a nice touch. I'm looking at these white on whites now. 
in yeah, the... I think the la- the last thing on that one is a uh, um like the the numbers tried to be like with the military theme as much as they could, and then the commander just on like the name tag. That little... And I love the sigil on the back because it looks silly with white and burgundy. Like this, the whole burgundy and gold sigil looks nice. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they need to be posting a lot more of. I don't know why they stuck with the white one. And then the one mission on the inside of the collar. I'm loving these. I wish they would post just a few more looks. I thought they were going to have the players like posted up out there wearing the uniforms. That's the photo shoot photos I'm looking at. Yeah. On the website on their gallery. Mm-hmm. And Terry McLaurin just makes it look good. Like I could hate everything, but him wearing it would make me be like, all right, I'm sold. He, he is... I mean, he's the face of the team now. They want Chase to eventually be that Chase Young. What's funny is I wasn't going to buy a Young jersey until they got a new name since he's supposed to be the face of the franchise and all that. I wanted mm-hmm. to be with the new name. And I'm still not like rushing to get one. That that brings up a question I was going to ask. Everything. Are you planning on buying any new official merch? Like immediate, are you planning on buying official merch or going? Because I know I have some coworkers who just do like the Chinese ripoffs whenever those come in stock for like so 50 bucks. I bought a shirt and a beanie right before we got on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Congrats. Because the shirt actually looks cool. Like it's the D- it's DC in big letters with the DC skyline. It's got three stars and ever so small, it's us commanders. That's a sick shirt, no matter mm-hmm. what. I really like that one. And then it's a burgundy and gold beanie that just has the W one. So I was like, okay, I can rock with that. Uh, I personally like the flex hats, the the that was it the thirty nine thirty ones, with the um, newer, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But they don't have that with like the curved lid. They only have the flat lids um, for the black. So it's like, like my the W on the burgundy hat that I have right now is like pretty close to that so i didn't want to get another burgundy one i was like well let me get the black one with the gold logo but they didn't have that in the hat that i like and i didn't mm-hmm. want to drop like damn near 40 bucks on one that i was gonna replace with the exact same thing later so i'll stick with the shirt and hat for now but the reason that i stick with the china ones over the official ones is because i hate the screen print crap you buy it from china it's actually stitched on and that's so much nicer so i have like one source that I get it from, I'm just going to keep an eye on them for the next couple of months. Mm-hmm. And if they have it up, then uh, even though I have uh, a way jersey for Terry McLaurin, I'm going to get a home one for him because he's my guy. He's, he's the, the guy. I was going to say, he's the only one because I'm a little gun shy of buying players. I have, I've started out great when I first started getting jerseys as a kid. I had, Santana Moss, I had Clinton Portis, uh, eventually got Sean Taylor. Now, as I started to get older and actually follow the team really closely and buy my own, there you go, rocking the Sean Taylor. The Sean Taylor is a must, I think. Yeah. It's a must. You, you can't go wrong with him. I even get compliments from Cowboys fans on that yeah. jersey. Um, I ended up, my first jersey that I bought was Jordan Reed. And then that just started okay. to go south pretty quickly after, right after I bought it. And then the next one. Uh, funny you should say that. Mine was Logan Thomas. Yeah, there we go. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, you know what? I think you have better luck than me. <laughs> <laughs> he came back for a little bit. Yeah. The next one I got 
and I think it's the last one, the last Washington one I have, because I have a Baltimore Ravens Torrey Smith jersey since he went to my high school. We got a Dwayne Haskins jersey after his rookie year with like the full intent. I'm like, because it was on sale in the Nike store, I'm like, yeah, bet. I'm going to get this. It's going to be the best investment. Only 50 bucks. He's going to take off Hall of Fame career. That tanked quick. Tanked You're trying real to get quick. 15 for right now. I'm, I've been just trying to give it to my Steelers buddy, Jeremiah, for free. Been just trying <laughs> to give it to him. He doesn't even want it. So I got to make it's got to be for sure. I'm waiting for Terry to get his extension just to be 100% sure That's before fair. I get his. Maybe Tressway. So this Sean Taylor one that's on my chair is the first one that was gifted to me. Uh, there was a Santana Moss one that was gifted to me. And then I bought Logan Thomas because I wanted something with the new name. Mm-hmm. And again, I just... Oh, excuse me. I bought Alex Smith because that story was just so amazing for me. That's a good and one. And it's like, it's very motivating. Like, I've had nerve damage in my shoulder since I was 14. Mm-hmm. So being able to, like, break through that and, like, still be able to do college, jiu-jitsu, play football, run a half marathon, like, all that stuff, like... That's that story was a huge deal for me. So it's like the Alex Smith jersey is very motivating, and and I was happy that that was my first one. Uh, but then he retired, so I was like, I need an active player now. Like I'm, I'm really invested in this. Uh, got Logan Thomas because he was my favorite player at the start of the season. Unfortunately, he got hurt quite a bit. But then I got a away McLaurin and a home Heineke because uh, they were like twenty thirty bucks on the China site. Yep. So it's like depending on which one they were wearing on the field, that was the one that I would wear. Mm-hmm. But also like living in Virginia Beach in Norfolk, it made sense to wear Heineke because of the ODU fan base over here. That so helps. Yeah. When you wear it in the area, people like it doesn't matter what fan uh, or like what team somebody's a fan of. When they saw me wearing a Heineke jersey, like they're like, "Oh yeah, Heineke ODU go!" It's like so yeah, it, was, it was a cool thing. So. Yeah. That was that was close to home, so I just I kind of had to have it, even if it was just one year. I think Heineke, for thirty bucks, why not? Yeah, I think Heineke's pretty safe. He's cemented himself at least as a very fun, almost Grossman. Like I would have gotten a Rex Grossman jersey, honestly, just because I had fun memories. If we were bad, but they were fun. Heineke's yeah. Heineke's been a fun quarterback. He's been a very good backyard quarterback, and he's he reps the area. So yeah, yeah I could roll with him. And Alex Smith is he retired technically as a Washington football player. <laughs> so yeah. no, he made sure he got released before he retired. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so he retired. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But we'll take him. We'll credit him. Even if he doesn't, like, you know, doesn't want I to take us all the same. It's all good. Exactly. He still did what he did on our field. So that's right. We have him. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's owned by our field. <laughs> <laughs> we finished this past season at seven and 10. Um, what are your hopes for the team in this new chapter and how can we turn things around and in this first chapter of the commander's era? There was a lot of games where when we lost, it was a tight score and I want more games like that. Yes. Like if we go eight and nine next year and every game was a fight and we lost by like a field goal or a touchdown. I think that's progress. Mm -hmm. It's not what most people want to hear because I don't think we're, I'd be amazed if we have a difference maker of a quarterback this year. Yeah. 
I just I don't see it. I don't see. I, who we I could still get. like there's still evolution to be done. Um, but like we were still wild card contenders until COVID like destroyed our team. Yeah. I, the the momentum that we had after Vegas, which I got to be at that. Oh my god, that was so much fun. How was that? Um, how was that stadium? It was amazing. Looks like gorgeous. they call it the Death Star and they fully embrace it. Like it's just <laughs> white concrete on the inside. They actually so they have a live band that's playing throughout the game and they open all their ceremonies with the Imperial March and all the TV screens saying welcome to the Death Star. Good for them. It's Good really for them. cool. That's I'm a must so to go happy to that now. I got to go to that one. <laughs> and it's just in that's a perfect spot fine. it seems like too. They give you like every seat had a had a commemorative towel on it mm-hmm. that has the torch and it says like what team was playing and what week it was and what the date was. It's just free for all the fans. And I was like, that's sick. I love this place. God, I hope Snyder's taking notes. I hope yeah, he's right? going to this place and looking at it and taking notes. I know he was already doing a tour. Yeah, like once I saw the Pro Bowl was going to be there, I was like, should I come back for that? Because I really had fun at that stadium. And then like they closed down the bridge, so you just walk back to the strip from there. Oh, and since we won, like afterwards, everyone, the whole, like all the concourses outside, the whole walk back, everyone's just singing Hail to the Redskins. <laughs> it was amazing. I have missed that um, in the stadium. I've missed the song yeah. after touchdowns. And I'm wondering if they try to replicate it with this new name. I've only been to one preseason game, and that was when RG3 played Luck. Mm when he when they were both drafted yeah and then um the chiefs game which happened to be the sean taylor retirement uh and then the vegas one i've had better luck like so i've been i went to a home game for the caps and the football team this year and then i went for an away game for both and Mm -hmm. both my away games we won both the home games we lost (laughs) that sounds right yeah, this just—I mean, it's fun celebrating in somebody else's house, but yeah, it was just weird. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just man, I just want fight. I want chemistry. I want fight. I don't want to hear like, why was this person here? Why haven't we done this yet? Like, I want to know that we're putting people in the best positions to win, and they're actually trying. Mm-hmm. I can fully agree with that. I fully agree. Just like you said, staying in the fight. No more of whatever that Sunday night game was against Dallas this past season, which I was thankfully out of the country for did not even have to, like, it just did not, I saw the score and it made me mad for a second. And I remembered, I was like, Oh, I'm here. All right. I can get away from it. If I had been here, it would have infuriated me for a week. I'm so committed. Like I sat through the whole thing. Yeah. That's it's, it's a, it's like a sickness. We sit there and just expect we're like, Oh, we might come back. (laughs) <laughs> I, I feel like I, I feel like i'm embodying like all of washington twitter as i'm talking right now but it's like it's it's an abusive relationship that's what it is like we can't we won't break up we'll we'll put up with it but it's like just <laughs> does she really love me deep down they love me they love me i know it's just a it's a hard way of showing it oh this team is gonna stand there and watch me burn <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. The way it hurts. <laughs> oh, that right there 
that's all anybody needs anybody that's listening that's all they need just cut that that's that's all you need to understand what it's like to be a washington fan i think i'm just gonna listen to that every time we lose now that's perfect actually we need i want to do post shows and that's why we'll start it with every loss i have a i have a victory song i need a losing song now makes you feel a little better a little better gives me a chuckle getting away from washington a little bit and you have you are the first person to come on here that's promoting that can promote something else everything it's usually somebody we're just promoting ourselves or we're finding a way to promote a place like pimenta in fredericksburg who has great jamaican food and we're hoping that they (laughs) you know give us some or just popping so we can get popcorn for our first taste segment you have the podcast animation deliberation it's part of the stranded panda podcast network tell us about a little bit about it sell it to us what are you doing Sell it. yeah what are you doing Yeah, man, it's awesome because we're gonna we're about to hit a year in a couple months. Congrats! Uh, we hit fifty episodes before the new year, which surprised me. I hadn't been keeping up. Uh, but basically, what it's about is that there's a lot of animated content out there that has great storytelling, but gets overlooked because people think that animation is for kids. Right. So we watch these movies and review them as if they're proper films because they are uh and just just have fun with it like it's great watching these movies and actually having like proper breakdowns and everything and just uh, it's just there's a lot of good stuff out there a lot of good disney stuff a lot of good stuff that marvel's been doing uh people don't want to hear it but dc makes really great stuff i'm sorry it's not live action but they make really good stuff and it just gets overlooked a lot. Like the show started because like I was talking about how amazing young justice was to Jay Scotty on a, uh, after dark mm-hmm. that we had during MCU trivia, that strain of Panda hosts. And at one point, Matt was just like, both of you guys have podcast experience. Do you guys just want to start a show about animated stuff? Cause we've been talking about that, but you guys can just handle it. And we we're just like, sure. And, you know, committed the first few months just to like covering young justice. And then, a bunch of stuff came out like invincible and bad batch and what if and ryan the last dragon and master of the universe and we were just like oh god there's a lot of content to cover so yeah that's that's what we do animations are specialty i i gotta agree with you too about dc and i'm glad it has to be said i'm a major marvel person myself especially when it comes to the live action but animated that collection of movies just on hbo max all the different things that they've been able to adapt. Like Injustice was one I saw recently. I thought that was fantastic. Like you said, Young Young Justice has been an awesome show. I haven't seen the most recent seasons, but I did see, I think, the first two when it initially premiered. Mm -hmm. Young Justice is great. Everything, just over the years they've done since the 90s with the the Bruce Timm uh, animated universe from Batman, Superman to Justice League. Mm -hmm. And Teen Titans was like the creme de la creme of my childhood. <laughs> yeah. With shows. So, yeah. I'm glad you brought I mean, it up. Like, like Marvel's doing better. Yeah. They are doing better. They are doing better. Like, to give some perspective, you asked me for, like, my top five comic book movie adaptations. Ooh, yeah. I have, I have four out of my list that aren't DC. Wow, and I came yeah. up with, like, 12. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well... You know what? Since you brought it up, that always gets everybody's tastes, their taste buds going for a top five. You bring it up. We have the top five animated 
CBM adaptations, movie or series format. It's very long. We'll shorten that up in the description. <laughs> but you got 12. You got 12 out of this top five. You want to give us some uh, some honorable mentions before we really go into the intro and the hard-hitting music? Oh, that's the thing. I didn't put it in any order. Uh-oh. Ooh. Never mind. We're going to hit you with the intro, and we're going to make you sweat. Oh, I'm going to sweat. Here we go. Five, sweat. four, three, two, one. This is the three two threes top five. Oh shit! Here we go again. Here we go again. Here we go again. This is Zahara Lee's top five animated CBM adaptations out of a list of twelve. He's got to figure out exactly where he's going and what order. He's sweating right now. Like he said, Montez sweat. It's a day. Ooh. Tough. Ah. In the <laughs> words of Letterkenny, fuck a duck. <laughs> I'm trying to think of some of mine. If we're talking... Oh, at least I had my list. That makes me feel better. I know. Yeah, you should feel better. Yeah, I was just going off of that. But... <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I will give you an honorable mention because it's it's not quite a comic book adaptation, but it is a hero thing. Mm -hmm. uh, just so I feel like I'm somewhat productive in this time. My Hero Academia is a fantastic superhero anime. Yes. Are you familiar with it? I hear a lot of great things about it. All right. It is amazing. It is on my Mount Rushmore of animes. It is the one of four. Ooh. And the first movie that they came up with was so brilliant. Like, I loved it. It wasn't canon at all. Like, it's one of those movies where it's like you could put it somewhere, but it wasn't like technically canon. But the action, the storytelling, the humor is always like all of it was just on point. It was one of the it was one of the greatest animated movies I've ever seen. I love it so much. It puts me in the feels. Uh, My Hero Academia, Two Heroes, is the honorable mention because it's not typically a comic book ad adaptation. It's just a manga movie. Uh, but yeah, you, you got to check that one out. It was just beautiful. Now that you brought it up, I know that there are some massive anime fans that listen to this show too and are excited about us going to Katsukan in a couple of weeks and exploring that realm for the show you brought up your mount rushmore of anime do you know that you have that sounds like you know that off the top of your head yes that you, i that what, i just have like lingering in my subconscious at all times what is on the mount rushmore of anime all right number one is dragon ball z so you can picture goku up there <laughs> number two is Naruto. So, this is Maki. Uh, Deku will be representing My Hero Academia for number three. And Mr. Tanjiro Kamado represents Demon Slayer for number four. Demon Slayer is another one I hear a lot about. And that that's your most recent um, animation deliberation, right? That you all have covered. Yeah, that we're doing weekly coverage of right now. Okay. And Oh, it's a lot. They just they dove right in, and I'm not sure how much my heart. Can <laughs> I know some people are going to be very happy to hear all of that. Anthony yeah, Martinez. Just... Anthony Martinez will have some thoughts. 
the king behind our logo. It's so good. Matt, I got four. I'm trying to figure out the fifth and then just put them in order. I think I'm going to... I'll buy you some time and I'm just going to rat-a-tat-tat my top five straight, like, from the top of my head. Number five. It's going to be weird because now I'm thinking through. I'm going to go ahead... Just because of the implications it has on the main MCU, I'm going to go with number five as What If from Marvel's okay. Disney+. Plus. Number four, I am going to roll. It's a weird selection, but if we're going superhero adaptations, Ultimate Avengers, which was a direct-to-DVD movie, I think, in 2007. And that adapted the the Ultimates run that they did, and I thought it was it was my introduction to a lot of the main Avengers. Like I didn't really know that much about Iron Man or Thor. Didn't really care too much about Captain America, but it made me like him more. And I had no idea who Black Widow was. And seeing that as a teenager, I really became a fan of Black Widow. Number nice. number three, I'm gonna roll with Justice League, the original series. I thought that that was a perfect adaptation of those characters. I think that, honestly, the very first two episodes of the show, they could have just adapted that for Zack Snyder's movie. And he would have been much better off if he just followed it frame for frame there. Yeah. I think they told wonderful stories. Number two, I'm going Teen Titans. Just phenomenal show. Not a fan of Teen Titans Go, but I understand. I understand why the new generation might love it, everything. But I loved the. I loved how deep and dark Teen Titans could get. The the thing I'll say about Teen Titans Go is that that's what replaced Young Justice when they decided to cancel it after season two. Yeah. After that big cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. So it's like not only are you gonna cancel one of my favorite shows, but you're gonna spit on another one of my favorite shows by making this abomination mm-hmm. and like. I I think I finally got into a point where if it happens to be on, I'll chuckle it like a scene or two. But like just the very concept of that show makes me mad because yeah. of of just the disrespect that it does to the best pieces of animated DC content ever. It did it did catch me recently when I saw that they did a crossover with the OG Teen Titans. And they had the two animation styles clashing together. It was Teen Titans oh, versus yeah. Teen Titans Go. <laughs> that actually caught my attention, and I found it very funny in a lot of parts. And so that's number two. Number one, and I don't think it gets enough love from a lot of people, and I'm trying... I want to get more people to watch it, but it's not available on Disney Plus yet for some reason. The Spectacular Spider-Man animated series. Okay. That only lasted two seasons on... I believe it was whatever, like whatever the Team Nick equivalent of Disney Channel. Disney is. XD. Disney XD. That was the one with uh, Drake Bell. No, you know what? Man. This one was actually the era before, and it's oh, why okay, okay. it's why I didn't. It's the same reason with Teen Titans Go. It's why I didn't like or even give the Drake Bell one a chance until mm. just a couple months ago when Emily was watching it. They canceled Spectacular Spider-Man after the second season and left it on a major cliffhanger to Hmm. do another series because there was some type of copyright issue and Disney was able to make it. So 
they went that route, but I thought it was just the most... I think it's the best adaptation of the character of Spider-Man and Peter Parker in those stories to date. And I would love for it to... When No Way Home was coming out and things that have happened in it happened and people are calling for, you know, a revival of certain things, which we're still not spoiling, even though now Sony's starting to give things away. People were also yeah. calling for the spectacular Spider-Man to be revived, and I would love to see that happen. So that that is my my number one in my top five adaptations off the top of my head. I'm sure I've missed a lot of things. <laughs> so it's like, I'm not even sure. Like, I have my five. They're just not in any particular order. And I don't know if this actually is my number five, but it's just such a perfect transition that I just, I can't not mention it right now. And my now number five for the sake of conversation is Earth's Mightiest Heroes that was on Disney that was on Disney and XD yep I remember that I think I think that was the show that gave me my base knowledge of a majority of the characters that are in the MCU now and that's really what I appreciate about it and how it started off for me was that I was at a family friend's house and her son is much younger than me but she was he was watching the first episode of Avengers Assemble and that episode is wild. Like, it ends with the Red Skull ripping the arc reactor after Tony's suit and making his own suit with, like, Captain America like, over him. So I was like, what is this show? And then I found out that Earth's Mightiest Hero was, like, a prelude to that. So I was like, uh, the art is much different, but I guess I'll give it a try. Because Avengers Assemble was trying to, like, base everything off of, like, the MCU characters. Mm -hmm. But Earth's Mightiest Hero is more like comic book adaptation. I loved it. The style, the action, the storytelling, the continuity. Uh, it was it was so good. It was so captivating. And then Avengers Assemble, after those first two episodes, like I just couldn't get into it. And yeah. they did reference Earth's Mightiest Heroes, but it was essentially its own thing, and it didn't maintain that essence at all. So for, again, a Disney animated series to have like that level of detail and storytelling, like that's not... It, kids watch it but that really is for us exactly that is yeah. something when i'm in my 30s and 40s i can watch again and genuinely enjoy it it's just such good storytelling like i'm i'm sorry the medium's not live action but it, it's so good how can you not see that yeah that's uh, where my love of black panther came from because i don't have i don't read comics i never have i've heard uh, the same so, thing for a lot of people yeah that a lot of people yes. were introduced to him through that series so for him to, like, need help in Wakanda and be, like, sneaking around Avengers Mansion for, like, months without them noticing and then go toe-to-toe -to -toe with, like, five Avengers at the same time just to, like, it's just to fuck you. Like, I wanted to see what you were able of doing was, like, yo, this dude is sick. He's getting his own movie soon? Like, I can't wait for that. That's the beauty of animation because the same, the same way that that introduced you to him, um, the one I mentioned earlier, the Ultimates, adaptation or ultimate avengers was the name of it they did a sequel to that called rise of the black panther and that was my first introduction to him and i thought i was like whoa i've never heard of this guy like this is badass it was the first time i heard of him of the chitari all of these kind of characters yeah mbaku like mm -hmm. finding out that they were fighting over the village like when that challenge came up i was like this makes sense i actually know about that yeah there you go. Okay, see, that's a good number five. This is a spiritual top five. It flows. It'll okay. it'll change over time. It works. There's only one other show on this list, so I guess I'll roll with that. And okay. that show is Young Justice. Um, for the longest time, 
I saw it on Netflix and I was like, why would I want to watch a show about sidekicks? Not realizing how good those stories were and how involved the Justice League are in that. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, was that some serious involvement. And like having characters with limitations like that is really fun to watch. Like seeing that level of development because now we're four seasons in and we're seeing so much character growth like they reference like season one stuff so casually you can actually like understand like where they've come from when they're talking like new peers and stuff like that the the diversity of that show is incredible have hindu characters muslim ones trans black asian and they go like full into like making sure you're pronouncing their name right understanding where they're from and what they're speaking and but like it's not forced at all like the way that the inclusiveness works is just kind of like like I, man I'm, I'm actually speechless like thinking about it like just hats off to you DC you've done such a phenomenal job with that it doesn't feel like you have an agenda it feels like you actually care about these characters and how they're perceived and make us care for them and like try to want to understand it so much better uh, so between the action the universe building and then just the storytelling like this show is so so good and i really hope they don't cancel it again <laughs> oh uh, renew not. hashtag renew young justice uh please just stream it even if it's in the background so that hbo thinks that people are watching it and keep it going you heard him stream it while stream it while you're listening to this you can do both at the same time yeah just mute it i don't care yeah. i didn't watch it because it's a good show if you haven't seen it but even if you have just have it playing right it's worth it or watch it and have this playing on mute you can do both yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it doesn't make sense, but take turns. Get <laughs> lessons. Yeah. <laughs> number three, zoo. Number three, number three, number three. Um, I'm just gonna go into the Spider Verse. Into the Spider. Oh, because damn. once again, I did not expect it to be as good as it was. Yep. It was just Sony. What are you doing? Get your shit together. Give me Andrew Garfield back. Um. Oh, man, it was good. Yeah, it was. I I couldn't get over Kingpin's design, especially seeing how much of a savage he was in Daredevil, because that did follow. But wow, did they do such a good job with that? And like, I love Jake Johnson in New Girl, so the fact that they took him, it just the, that exact character, <laughs> just a depressed hobo alcoholic character with the smartest <laughs> mouth in the world. And just put him into Peter B. Parker. I was like, this is great. I am in love with this man. I wish they would just go further. Just lean further into New Girl. Give him make yeah, right? Schmidt some type of character. Make Schmidt like Harry or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, Schmidt is like Mary Jane would have been hilarious. Or like his mom. Um, uh, Aunt May. Schmidt is Aunt May. Oh, Schmidt is Aunt May. Oh, yeah. Like in the layer and everything. <laughs> 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 I need it. Like when we were, when we, I was on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast when the last trailer for um, uh, No Way Home came out, mm -hmm. and they were like, "What alternate Spider-Mans do you want to see?" And I was like, "I need a live-action Jake Johnson in a Spider-Man suit." Like, I don't care about anything else. That's all I want. And I think that was part of the beauty and the awesomeness of that movie is the people that they cast for the voices you could almost see them if they needed to for like maybe a scene or something you could see them playing them in real life like i could yeah. definitely see jake johnson playing hobo peter parker and chris pine is peter a parker mm -hmm. yeah and john mulaney is uh you know spider pig 
Nicolas Cage is the uh, is the dark one. Yeah. Or Spider Ham. Uh, before one. I get a nasty look from Emily. <laughs> Peter Porker. Before I get yelled at more. Number two. <laughs> divert, divert, divert. <laughs> um, all right, I'll let I'll let you pick. Do you want the continuity one or the one-off one? Ooh, I never get to pick. Um, I will go. Let's go continuity. Continuity. Continuity's number two. number two. Yeah. Justice League Dark. Okay. I I am not a horror fan by any means. Horror. Uh, yeah. but I <laughs> love the the live action Constantine show despite mm-hmm. how short-lived it was and the fact that they got oh, forgive me for forgetting the actor's name but they got him to voice Constantine in Justice League Dark oh Matt Ryan yes yeah and he did a phenomenal job so the fact that I got to see him and Batman in one movie was incredible that's like awesome. the premise the premise of the movie is that there's something with magical influence that's affecting the world and the justice league can't figure it out they're not listening to batman so batman basically goes rogue and he's like constantine figure this oh he goes to zatanna zatanna drags in constantine constantine drags in a bunch of other just freaky magic related weirdos and then they go on this mission to figure out what's going on and constantine hates working with people you can tell batman like doesn't want to do this but it's part of the mission so it's like you know, screw you, get this done so that we don't have to work together anymore. But the action, the humor, just those two people, those two characters, like, going back and forth with each other so much. It was it was so good. And d- this is... Oh, this is probably, like, the halfway mark on the animated cinematic universe that DC had going, which started with Justice League War and ended with Justice League Dark Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. It was a, a 19-movie run. So it's like they have a good cinematic universe, but people just don't want to acknowledge that DC can make something good. Yeah. Uh, but Justice League Dark was by far like my favorite out of them because it was fun. The action was great. The comedy was on point, And it was just all around such a great movie. That's a good one. That makes me, I got to watch that now. I, I'm a sucker for getting live action, getting the people who played the live action role to voice their characters in animation yeah. as well because I believe... I think it was the Drake Bell Ultimate Spider-Man brought two of my favorite characters on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Fitz and Simmons, their actors okay. on to voice the characters, and Clark Gregg as Coulson was on there, nice. too, as the school's principal. <laughs> yeah. See a happy dance going on in the back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the number one animated CDM adaptation from Zoo is... Batman Under the Red Hood. I yeah, roll with three that. out of my three out of my five had Batman as a heavy influence. Mm-hmm. Um, you could tell I have a favorite, <laughs> but for that one, I think this movie is what sparked really diving into animation as an adult mm-hmm. because it just happened to be on Netflix one day. I clicked on it, and it 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 made me fully realize like as somebody who doesn't read comics how deep these stories go um 
how much has happened, how much diversity and variety there are between similar characters. Like, no, that, that's that's the thing. Of, that's the thing I love about MCU is that they they honor the source material, but they don't have to fully replicate it. Because if you fully replicate it, like, what's the point of knowing what's going to happen? Right. But like, there's there's also like this this excessive seriously excessive need to know everything before you go into the movie because you're scared you're going to miss out on something like if it was a good enough movie you're going to watch it again and you're going to learn those easter eggs and stuff afterwards like it doesn't have to be caught the first time like enjoy the movie for what it is and then like have that appreciation for it afterwards and i think red hood was really what sparked that for me because it made me truly want to rewatch Batman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond, Teen Titans, Justice League Show, Spider-Man, X-Men, and actually like fully understand like what I appreciated as a kid and knowing these heroes and stuff, but understanding like how complex these stories were. And for this to go into like I didn't know there was more than one Robin. And nope. seeing that and I watched Batman the Animated Series, but I couldn't process that there was more than one Robin. I was like, what did this happen? Um <laughs> But like the, the the way that they portrayed Nightwing and the fact that uh, Barney from How I Met Your Mother played Nightwing was epic. <laughs> uh, the story between Red Hood and Jason Todd overall was incredible, and I have a huge appreciation for that character and the, just the portrayal of everything. It was it was such a flawless movie. I loved every second of it, and without that, I don't think it would have sparked like this this fascination of animation that I have today. There is just a beauty and just something, just a little more magic you can get out of animated adaptations, I think, mm -hmm. oftentimes compared to live action. You can just do a little more and make it a little more special and honoring the originals yeah. and where it comes from. So that's a good top five. I appreciate That was a one-off movie. Nothing came before, nothing came after. It was just enjoy this movie for what it is works perfectly i'm surprised did invincible make your top 12 at all no really? i thought about it i mentioned it earlier but no because i i started watching that show because jay scotty was like hey this show has a cool voice cast we should check it out for the show i was like eh, not really that interested but all right whatever another superhero show um so i was i was blown away with it as a show mm -hmm. i guess it can get an honorable mention i loved it i loved how wild it was i love the story building that it's doing but it, within a year it hasn't had the same impact to me as my top five has okay that's fair enough that's still a good review yeah i can take <laughs> it you can hear more reviews like that and more just incredible recommendations like now I have my Hero Academia to actually like now I've gotten it recommended to me but now I'm sold and now I can really lean into it you can hear more of that and more of this wonderful guy Zoo on Animation Deliberation you can find it wherever you stream correct? Spotify yep. Apple Podcasts everywhere. everywhere part of the Stranded Panda Network check out all of their pods they have an incredible collection and some, a little bit of something for everybody. And That's true. we'll hopefully have you back plenty more to talk about a lot. We do have we have a whole Ted Lasso segment that we have not been able to get to that we're going to have to do 
Again, we're going we're gonna to catch up on that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Zahir Ali. Thank you, sir, for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. We welcome in now our baseball correspondent. He's been our baseball correspondent for a year, but we actually haven't been able to, uh, you know, get everything in sync as we're getting the show together within. Actually, we're still within a year. So almost happy birthday to us. Derek Wolfgang is here, our baseball hello, hello. expert. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well, doing well. Uh, you know, just living things. Got a new house, so I'm kind of adapting, but interested to get this conversation going. I know first time with you, so I'm ready to talk and, uh, you know, go over some stuff that we've been able to. Well, congratulations on the house. That's an awesome development. Thank you. Thank you. So... As we jump into baseball news, there's plenty to talk about, and we're going to over the coming mm-hmm. weeks. Everything is madness right now with football, so it's kind oh, of yeah. caught our attention. But this Hall of Fame class for 2022 was announced and last week, got kind of lost in the madness, but still warrants a lot of discussion, a lot of mm-hmm. fun with it. So mm-hmm. we're going to dive into that for a little bit here. First off, we'll start right. with the positive. Congratulations to David Ortiz, Big Poppy, uh, yes. Boston Red Sox legend, awesome guy, just a consummate professional. He was the sole player voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame by the Baseball Writers Association of America, made it in in his first year on the ballot with 77% of the votes. So that is awesome. Now, we turn to the people that didn't get in. That ended up kind of becoming the bigger story of the class. Yeah, yeah. It did, it did. Barry Bonds, who finished with 66% of the vote. Roger Clemens, who finished with 65%. Kurt Schilling finished with 58%. They did not make it in in their final year of eligibility after 10 years on the ballot. And now they're going to have to wait to see if they make it in through a committee of 16 Hall of Famers this December. For now, though, I want to ask you, Derek, is the Baseball Hall of Fame tainted for not including Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling and their stories? Because the way I see it, if the point of the Hall of Fame is to tell the story of baseball, which I've all long thought that's what it is, yes, I think it is very much tainted. What? How do you feel about this? Uh, you kind of got it right there with the history of baseball, what the purpose of the Hall of Fame is for. I am on the side, especially in the last couple of years, that it is tainted. Um, I definitely, growing up, I was all about, you know, rules and there's integrity into the game, which I definitely understand. And it's a valid point. But as these players and as they did things for the different franchises and records, even before the whole PD thing happened they were still breaking records and they were still setting these uh these goals and winning these championships um it definitely causes me to believe now that it is tainted because as i mentioned earlier it's all about the history of baseball and that's what the hall of fame is for i think of it now as like a museum you go there to see these records you go there to see these players everything from what they were able to do what they were able to bring the uh, home run records that they were able to hit the pitching records and all of that, um, it definitely more along the lines of tainted now for sure. And I agree with you, especially on when you take into account what they were doing before 
you know, I guess the alleged use still if mm-hmm. some, but like Bonds was already looking like one of the greatest to ever do it. Oh, absolutely. Before he even got on there. And it just became, it was almost like a nuclear arms race in baseball mm-hmm. when it came to PED use. The same thing with Lance Armstrong in yeah. the bicycle realm. Um, it's, it, it's almost like I don't see the problem with putting them in there with an asterisk. Yeah, I'm right there with you. So, and if you even go before that, there's data and people who have records of people who are in the hall right now that have, should have that asterisk as well from beforehand when there was like the greenies and that, that players would eat kind of like candy that weren't to the effect of steroids or performance enhancing drugs, but they were still causing them to play better. And you have players who would just have them on the sidelines, like I said, eating candy, uh, just kind of handful every time they go up to bat. Um, and it wasn't only until the these players in this era when they started really doing the the breakdown. And then I think because of that, they're starting to just feel like we messed up. So we're going to cause this era to be harmed a little bit more and not let these players in. Since we've already let some people in, we're just we're going to make up for our mistakes. And I think that's wrong where they should be able to get in with that asterisk, like you said, in the era of PEDs, they were still able to win or he was still able to hit the most home runs ever just during this time period. You're exactly on point with that. And I completely agree. And it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to try any race to try to pretend like this did not happen. This is very much a part of this league's history. And it can be argued. It was good for the league. Like that, yeah, those can, home run races back. were incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And you can look back and you could go back in like five years. If you took the five years for some of these players that they were all playing at the same time out of, you'd miss so much that happened. Granted, with them or without them, if you just took that five year span, say from like early 2000s, then you'd miss out on some of the craziest records, some of the craziest plays. And just like you said, they just miss out on a whole like chapter of baseball. Yeah. And it's in the case of Schilling, it's almost a level of pettiness in a sense. I don't agree with him. I don't agree with him nearly at all politically and many of the things that he has said over time, but I don't, even I have to defend him in that. I think this is about your on the field achievements and what you did for that team then. I don't think right. that politics should keep him out, per se. And I agree. And I know he was at, I, what we said, 56% this year. Yes. Or mm-hmm. somewhere around that. Um, where the last couple of years, he was close to the 75% mark. And I think with the recent political climate and then his like Twitter tirades that he would go on to and just whenever he didn't get in the hall, he'd just go off on social media. I think that also put a sour taste, like you mentioned. And you can't let the voters play that into effect if you're going to go by stats in the history of ball. Um, that will cause them to be like, okay, yeah, I don't like his political view. I'm not going to vote for him this year when you should be voting on stats and the history of the game and what he did for it and like his playoff runs and other stats that he had on different teams. It's definitely uh, causing towards like that tainted of the, the Hall of Fame votes, as we were mentioning at the beginning. And what's crazy about this this ten year limit? They it's a ten year limit now, right? On your eligibility, but before, just a few years back, I believe they changed 
these rules, yep. it was 15 mm-hmm. years. Correct. We saw just every year Barry Bonds, at the very least, his percentage has risen every single year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you feel the same way. I I believe if this still had that 15-year limit, he might get in by year 15. Especially oh, absolutely. the way that we're Sorry. viewing these things now. Yeah, absolutely. I was reading, uh, I don't know if it was a Reddit post or a podcast I was listening to. Somebody said if a player eventually hit 60% or 65% of the vote, they would inevitably get in within their 10, 15 year span. And I think because he was hitting those percentages now, if he was grandfathered into that 15 year span because they changed it while he was already eligible, he would definitely get in within the next year or two easily. Because I think some of the voters and some of them as time has progressed are starting to be like, okay, we've punished him enough. I think he deserves to get in now for the sake of baseball, for the sake of like the climate of everybody that I've talked to thinks that for his records, he should be in. Cause you can look and go to the hall of fame right now. And there's mementos and trinkets of bats, baseballs, gloves that he has in the hall of fame, but he's not in the hall of fame himself. Right. Which counteracts everything about them voting against him. It was like, you have his stuff in there. Why don't you put him in there? Just put an asterisk, put that he was in during this era, like we were mentioning. It's insane. Going mm-hmm. back to the guy who got in to the Hall of Fame this year, Big Poppy Ortiz. Oh, yeah. I got to ask, should he have gotten in if these others did not? His case isn't nearly as cut and dry as them, and it's not brought up as often <coughs> because there were no, there's no actual proof or failed tests, but the suspicion, right. the suspicion on his PED use has been there since those initial reports in 2003. Is it fair that, I mean, nothing was exactly proven on Bonds. Bonds has never actually admitted that he did it. And Ortiz, it's the same way. It's not, like we said, it's not nearly as strong. But you can kind of, there's a little something there. He was almost an exactly different player when he was with the Twins before the Red Sox. Mm -hmm. He was just average at best. Gets to the Sox just takes off superstar he becomes big poppy and you see him come back and he's got his muscle on him a little more than normal right and that can and i guess that can happen going switching organizations and going to the right place and they get you going yeah. but i mean this man retired this man retired at 41 and had one of his best offensive seasons if not his best statistical offensive season at the age mm-hmm. of 41 so do you think it's fair that ortiz got in and these others did not especially on his first ballot? It's it's tough when you really deep dive into it. Personally, I do think it's fair for him to get in because of, if you look at the legitimacy of the results, like he was never fully proven or tested positive when they did test him. There's always, that's been the suspicion. And you can say that for, again, like I mentioned earlier, players throughout the hall that are already in there, you can have suspicion for all of them at some point. Um, so I do think it's fair that he got in uh, first, maybe not first ballot with the suspicions and everything, but I think it's fair that he did get in uh, with that. Like you, it goes to the history of the game. You can't deny everything he's done before the suspicion and after, and then just who he was as a player. I think with the time that he got in compared to the previous players, how I was just mentioning 
they let them kind of suffer. I think they also got lenient towards the end with him thinking that, okay, they were positive and had all that happen. But since he wasn't and he was just suspicious, we don't have as much against him. So we can vote him in without feeling as regretful if we got him in and then he tested positive or so on and so forth. Yeah. I mean, you can hear that Boston Strong speech he gave to the fans oh. after the bombing. <laughs> I mean, this is that, our fucking city. This is our fucking city. That that could have yeah. busted him right into the hall just then. And I, I think that oh, begs, <laughs> that begs the question: Does personality help? Because I mean, Poppy has this radiant smile with him. Oh, he yeah. looks he looks like the mom from Good Times. I don't know if you've ever seen <laughs> that show. He looks like Florida Evans. And no, but I, I know the smile. Yeah, it it just it makes you feel good. And I wonder. If Bonds or Schilling had that kind of personality and that smile, would it have helped counter the asshole reputations that they have? Because <laughs> Bonds also has that on top of the PEDs, that he was just a massive asshole. Right. Uh, definitely. I think if you look at any aspect of life, from baseball to personal to anything you're doing, having that like smile or that charm or charisma definitely affects something and being able to to go on the media or go into public and have these moments like you said the Boston speech um, and just glow with the environment and with the people and the public will eventually resonate to those writers and the voters because they're just going to hear all about it it's going to be constant news whenever you see him you can see his picture his smile you can see his personality. You're going to hear about his charisma from anything. And I think that just in the back of your mind just makes you think he's a better person. Maybe he's not, but the media and all that will emphasize certain things and that can persuade things. And we've all dealt with that in our lives. I'll just give you this image here on my phone of Poppy and Florida Evans. We'll post it to our Instagram and all of our socials because it's just making me smile. I just love Oh, oh look Lord. at that. That is oh, almost identical. It's, like that that smile is just too good. Oh yeah. It's just it's yeah. genuine happiness. And you saw when he got when he when it was uh uh announced to him that he was getting in, mm-hmm. it was just pure joy. And I felt so good oh, yeah. for him. And it just yeah. makes me think if Bonds if Bonds got the A Rod rehabilitation tour. Because A-Rod's whole <laughs> career and persona has just completely changed since where he yeah. left off in the game. Mm-hmm. And after and he's... he started dating J-Lo, got on, he's, on, he's on two competing networks now to do yeah, coverage. You could think now he's all, he could be considered, like for some people, the face of baseball because he'll be calling games, he'll be on analyst desks, he'll be doing these meetings and everybody knows who he is right everybody can tell there and you nobody really brings up his like two almost almost two years out of the game 200 something games that he was suspended and he got got like the maximum suspension that you could get in baseball yeah and now yeah now he's getting the manning cast for baseball and espn Mm -hmm. he's completely changed it around and i think that is gonna help his case granted this year i think he only had like 36 percent or so but that's his first year on the ballot Mm -hmm. before anything and then if that percentage continues to go up once these other people are no longer there 
again, times will change. Maybe they'll get more lenient like they did with bonds of them as the percentage went higher. Uh, we'll have to see over the next course of the uh, the voting. I bet if he were dating J-Lo, it would have been 45%. <laughs> Maybe somebody's trying to be like, hey, I'll vote for you if you uh, bring her to my son's birthday party or something. <laughs> <laughs> now, as we're talking about the Hall of Fame and Poppy just got in, we'll count him as part of this. Derek, I've enlisted you for the segment of this show. Everybody's always about the top five. This would be your homecoming, your first top five on the 323. So, Derek, do you have your list of the top five baseball Hall of Famers? I do. Uh, now, some people may not agree because mine kind of goes throughout the, the different eras. Um, but these are my personal ones. Either they've hit home or they were people that I grew up learning about through my dad by playing baseball or just playing on the teams and hearing about their records. And, you know, visiting the Hall of Fame actually myself once and seeing the videos and hearing about them. Uh, but we can start my first one. Well, 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 well. Oh, 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 okay, okay. We have to hit you with a very dramatic intro. <laughs> it's oh, become okay. very popular oh, okay. with this. So this is Derek Wolfgang's top five baseball Hall of Famers. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the three, two, threes top five. Oh, shit. Here we go again. <laughs> I love it. Now oh, we're man, good. That's a way to start. We're that's clear. a way to start. <laughs> I can see why it's getting popular. That is, ooh, I don't know if I want to follow up an intro like that just to say five names. <laughs> I know. We usually, sometimes we'll just do top five intros and we'll just do all that intro. Ooh, there we go. All right. Well, uh, without further ado, I'll jump right into it. Um, as I was saying, everybody knows this name, household original player, uh, Babe Ruth, from his Yankees and Red Sox career, seven times. Oh, oh yeah, this okay. fanfare. Sorry about that. No, you're good. No, you're good. I'm, first time here, I, I am all for It's just I'm explosions all, all over the place. We're going to start doing this live. We're going to have fireworks going off next time we do a top five. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Red Sox, Yankees, seven-time world champion, two-time all-star. He had his number retired for him, just all-around great player, original OG baseball player. Uh, coming in, number two, I got Willie Mays. There it is. <laughs> 22 seasons with the Giants, 660 home runs, and just the cultural effect he had for the game, um, just bringing in different cultures to and exposing how they can make the league better by bringing in different backgrounds and growing the game that way. Uh, number three, we have Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> Love that pick. Uh, thir- right. Oh, yeah. 13-time All-Star, one of the most prolific home run hitters with 630. And that's another household name. You think of him, and everybody knows Ken Griffey Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, number four, I have Randy Johnson. Oh, okay. So I uh, never have been a good pitcher, but I can always admire it, especially Nats are my team right now. So watching Max Scherzer, I've always got a soft spot for a really good pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, left-hander, fifth most wins overall by a lefty, uh, second most strikeouts by a lefty, and then five times Cy Young winner. And just, again, the guy was dominant throughout his career for every team he played for. And then last but not least, 
one that's uh, maybe not everybody's choice, but kind of hits more close to home from growing up. Uh, we didn't always have the Nationals, so I always went up to Baltimore. Orioles Stadium, Camden Yards is one of my favorite places to watch a game, um, but it's Cal Ripken Jr. Love that. Yes, grew up with him. Shortstop, third base, one of the best to play in those positions, two gold gloves, two-time MVP, 19-time All-Star, and just actually seeing him play growing up before he retired and then hearing about my dad going to games and not meeting him in person, but being able to like get really close and have some stuff autographed by him, that one hits home a little bit more than the rest of them for sure. I love it. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Derek Wolfgang's top five baseball Hall of Famers. <laughs> I was about to hit you with just cannon fire, cannon fire of all different fanfares oh. on each one, but we don't want to overwhelm you on the first. <laughs> all right, I'll tell you what you hit me with that, and you'll get my get my honest reaction one day, and it'll be it'll be good. Next Happy time, Chinooka. <laughs> I'll get you all. I have no idea what Chinooka is. With it. It's just a collection of everything around here. I love it. I love it. You got to have something for every occasion. You never know what you're going to need. That's Absolutely. right. And you're going to hear plenty more. I think next time, I just thought of it on the fly. Next time, I want to get the top five worst baseball Hall of Famers out of you. See who shouldn't be in there. Ooh, I got to do some thinking on that one. Yeah, that one's quite a hard few. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some people mm-hmm. that, yeah. Get some, get some hot takes out of me. Why don't yeah. you? Yeah. But we will be definitely talking to you more as this baseball season hopefully <laughs> hopefully starts to progress hope we're supposed oh, to be oh. getting close to spring training but this lockout mm-hmm. is it's still holding up despite some talks we'll yeah, get I'm more sure. into those talks yep uh you should do what i do and i look for that daily mike trout drawing on reddit this kid's like drawing a different version of mike trout in this weird way and it's funny just waiting for that picture update every day. You should, he's got an Instagram account. I'll have to find it and uh, link it to you. We, but yeah, we will share that too because that sounds amazing. Oh, yeah. It keeps me entertained because I'll see him upload a new picture every day. And it's like some weird Mike Trout as a trout or <laughs> him like in this weird body formation. It's something to keep you entertained and kind of keep you going with the offseason. We love it. We love it. Thank you, Derek Wolfgang. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I'm looking forward to more talks. Sounds good, buddy. My thanks again to Derek Wolfgang for joining us with that awesome baseball talk. And to our good buddy Zahair Ali from the Animation Deliberation Podcast. Again, you can find that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere that you stream, you can find it. Look up the Animation Deliberation Podcast, part of the Stranded Panda Network of Podcasts. Check them all out. They've got some really, really fun stuff and awesome Marvel MCU trivia nights on Wednesdays. I believe that'll be starting back up soon, but you can check with them by listening to their podcast. Thank you for listening to this one. Again, you can find us on our YouTube page. We're going to be having some very fun visual content starting to pop up over the next couple of months as we grow. You can find that at the 323 Network on YouTube. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at 323REID. Just look it up. Give us a follow. Have a lot of, you know, contributing images that you don't get to see through this audio medium. And... 
while you're doing at 323REID, just throw that into patreon.com slash 323REID and help us continue to grow this show and build even further with these wonderful contributors. Coming up this coming week, it's going to be madness. The big game is coming. I don't know if we can call it the Super Bowl. The NFL is weird about that, but I don't think the NFL is listening to us at this point in our history, so we're going to call it the Super Bowl. Super Week is coming up, and we have a lot, a lot, an overwhelming amount of fun coming your way with a lot of our great contributors as we prepare for L.A. Rams against the Cincinnati Bengals. So, subscribe, download, follow us. You'll see it all. We will talk to you soon. Stay safe, everybody.